Hello, and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I am so glad that you're here joining us now and listening to this podcast. Array of Hope evangelizes through film, music, and events. So this podcast gives us yet another outlet to tackle some deeper topics and subjects about our faith. So today's theme is the communion of saints. So what does that mean? To be in communion? Is it a union or a common bond? Well, yeah, it is. It's a profound connection, a great fellowship shared among the saints, the holy ones, the Christian faithful, those who are filled with grace, members of one body with Christ as its head. It's beautiful to have this commonality. After all, we're all human. We will learn today that the communion of saints has three states or divisions. The communion of saints of the living, those who are still on their pilgrim journey here on earth, the communion of saints of the dead or the faithful departed, some of whom are being purified, those in purgatory, and the ones who are enjoying eternal glory in the presence of God, those in heaven. This communion means that we're all connected, which is really beautiful. Our guest today is Donna Marie O'Boyle, and she will share with us today her love for the saints and how they can help us in our everyday lives. So welcome to A Reason for Hope, and here we go. Okay. So here we are again, David. How are you today? I'm pretty good, Mario. How are you? I am just doing grandioso. <laughs> is that uh, is that an English word? I don't know. I no. make up words sometimes. Grandiose is an English word. <laughs> is it? Yeah. What does it mean? But I don't think you'd be grandiose. What would I be? You're doing great. <laughs> okay. okay. So uh, those of you that are uh, seeing a visual, we have an added guest today in our podcast, uh, Mariama, our social media director. Uh, and we have an interesting topic that we're going to be discussing today. And, and by the way, um, we've been blessed with so many great guests, haven't we? I mean, oh, it's amazing. been really just uh, a, great, a season. great season thus far. Uh, our guest uh, today is Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle, who's a very prolific writer and great Catholic speaker. And I've known her for many, many years. So it's a really enlightening and fun interview. Um, but today's topic is uh, the communion of saints. Uh, so hence why we have our social media director, as you know, Mariama <laughs> has been uh, sharing uh, an inside view of various saints, uh, you, know, how, you know, who's that saint segment. And Mariama <laughs> has a devotion to hundreds and hundreds of saints. So she's the most practical person to bring into our <laughs> podcast, right? So, um, how are you doing, Mariama? Yeah, I'm doing well, especially because I get to share about my friends today. You guys are my friends, but my friends in heaven. I thought so. you were talking about us. You know? <laughs> I thought so too. Yeah, well, I'm a little yeah. Down. my dead friends. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Hopefully, I'll be amongst one of those dead friends that are a yeah. saint. They're yeah. more alive than we are. They're living. Yeah. Yes, they're yes. living. <laughs> yeah, God my, is the, the God theological of the director is here. They are alive. <laughs> they are more alive than we are. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, Mariama, one of the things that, um, you know, I've known you now for a couple of years, you've been with Array of Hope for a couple mm -hmm. of years, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I ever asked you this question. Why are the saints so important to you? Yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about this 
uh, a while ago because I get very excited about the Saints. Like, I get so alive. And it's kind of like if you were to talk to somebody about um, someone who really loves sports about their favorite athlete. And mm. they just get so excited. They know every every one of their stats. If you ask someone about LeBron or Michael Jordan, they're like, oh, he did this many layups. I don't know sports. So layups, baskets, whatever they do, they shoot the ball and it goes in something. <laughs> and, you know, they get so excited. They have every jersey, right? Um, and I think that that's how I would I would explain my love for the Saints is that people look up to athletes as like someone that has exemplary strength and skill in a certain um, area. Um, and the Saints are like that, but in the area that I think all of us should aspire to, and that is holiness. Mm. We should all aspire to be holy. Yes. And so if I were to go back in time to like, you know, 10-year-old Mariama and redecorate my room, I wouldn't have posters of NSYNC at the time. I'm aging myself a little bit with the Gen Zers. Mm. <laughs> sync or Backstreet Boys, I would have pictures of my favorite Saints because they would be the ones that I would want to aspire to be. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. So uh, today, as I mentioned before, you know, our theme is uh, the communion of saints. And in the creed, we say every Sunday that we prof- we profess that we believe in the communion of saints. And in early February, the Pope made some controversial comments about the mm-hmm. communion of saints. Um, so what is the communion of saints, David? Uh, <laughs> okay. What does that really mean? All right. Well, um, the communion of saints refers to uh, the common sharing of holy things, uh, especially the communion of faith and the communion of the sacraments in the church. But it also refers to the bond that exists between holy persons, namely those that by grace have been cleansed from sin and are united to Christ. This is why the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that the communion of saints is the church. Now, Pope Francis in his uh, commentary uh, in early February actually quoted this verse from the uh, from the catechism, which is fine enough. Uh, but then the question comes, like, who belongs to the church? If the communion of saints is the church, who belongs to the church? And here's where it can get a little complicated and controversial. Um, so pretty much for all of Catholic tradition, which was particularly articulated in the catechism of the Council of Trent, as well as the catechism of Pope St. Pius X, the Catholic church has been understood this way. The congregation of all the baptized who profess the same faith and the same law of Jesus Christ, participate in the same sacraments, and obey their lawful pastors, particularly the Roman pontiff, that is the Pope. So that was the definition of who belongs to the church, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the, the definition is set up to automatically let you know who kind of doesn't belong to the church. Mm -hmm. So, for example, apostates, those are people who are Catholic who then deny the faith, or heretics, those are people who persist in a teaching that is contrary to the true faith and to what the Catholic Church proposes for our belief. They don't profess the same Christian faith, so they're not part of the church, right? Um, Non-Christians who have not been baptized, right, and do not receive the sacraments, they're not part of the church. So that would seem to make sense. And, uh, and obviously also schismatics, those people who have separated themselves off from submission to the Pope and the lawful pastors of the church are not par- part of the church. Mm-hmm. So, like, so the definition is set up almost to kind of let you know who objectively is in and who objectively is out. Now, um, this is 
this is an interesting point because uh, with the Second Vatican Council, there was a little bit of a, a broadening of this understanding of who belongs to the church. So the council reaffirmed that objective definition, you could say, of the church. Uh, but, but then it started to look at what about subjectively, right? So then what happened was there was a discussion of belonging to the church and, and describing that in terms of degrees. So you have, you know, those who are fully incorporated into the Catholic Church are the people that we defined as belonging according to that definition before. Um, but then what the Second Vatican Council would do is say, well, all those who've been baptized are part of the people of God and are part mm -hmm. of the church. They don't have communion with the church that's perfect. They have what's called an imperfect communion. But, you know, they, they've been baptized, they have some sacraments, they share many of the same beliefs, they've, they profess faith in Jesus Christ, and they're trying to live out that faith. So they're in communion, but in an imperfect way. And then once you move away from Christians, the Second Vatican Council changed its language and starts to talk about how various religions are related to the church right? Mm. And then it goes through what those relationships are. And it would, it would start with um, the Jews, because the, we, have, we have the Old Testament in common. Mm. Obviously, Christianity sees itself as the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham. So like, mm. so, and then you would go from there and just see, you know, less and less maybe of a relationship to the church, depending on what things believed by those different religious traditions are compatible with the Catholic faith. So after Vatican II, there was a discussion about various modes of potential inclusion in the church, whereas prior to Vatican II, the emphasis was probably on various modes of exclusion. So, um, so <clears throat> this is why like, it gets a little confusing, because somebody could belong to the church unbeknownst to them, if through invincible ignorance and not knowing that the church was necessary for salvation or not having ever been, you know, presented with the gospel and knowing the saving message of the gospel, it could mean that those people are saved and by following the dictates of their conscience and by living out those, you might say, rays of the light of truth that exist in their religious tradition, they might be able to be saved. But you, you couldn't say that they were objectively part of the church. It would be that, that they were subjectively part of the church, even unbeknownst to them, and that would be known to God. Those are judgments that we can't fully make because we don't know a person's mind, their heart, mm -hmm. what kind of freedom they rejected Christ and the church with, and all those sorts of things. So, um, so in that sense, you can see that the question of who belongs to the church, therefore, takes on a different meaning. But because it's talking about the subjective state of the person, it's almost like something you can't know. Now, this is interesting, too, because there are, like, if, if you're in a state of mortal sin and you're a Catholic, for example, you don't cease to be a member of the church, but you're considered a dead member. So you have living members and dead members. Just belonging to the church doesn't mean you're going to be saved. So if you die in a state of mortal sin, you're not going to be saved. Yeah. but you're still a member of the church, which is why you can go to confession. Mm -hmm. But you're not in communion with the church, mm -hmm. which is why you shouldn't go to communion until you go to confession. Yeah. 
And the point is that these distinctions, they, they matter, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Now, why, why Pope Francis and what he said becomes problematic is because um, he went on to say that effectively, one, that, that no one uh, can exclude themselves from the church. And that's an odd statement to make. If what he means by that is once you're baptized, you can't like erase your baptism. There's an indelible mark, a character that gets imprinted on the soul through, um, through baptism. Then I would say, okay. But that doesn't mean that those people are in communion with the church, mm -hmm. even if mm -hmm. theoretically they can't undo their baptism, right? So it's confusing. Um, certainly somebody can exclude themselves from the church. They can deny the faith. They can reject their baptism. They can become a heretic. They, 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 there's all sorts of different ways in which they can exclude themselves from the church. If the only thing you meant was that, oh, they're baptized and they can't undo their baptism, fine. But that's not what most people think when he says what he said. And that's what actually got even stickier is because later on he says this. He imagines that somebody comes up to him and asks him a question. Father, let us think about those who have denied the faith, who are apostates, who are persecutors of the church, who have denied their baptism. Are these also at home? And he says, yes, these two, even the blasphemers, everyone, we are brothers. This is the communion of saints. The communion of saints holds together the community of believers on earth and in heaven. Well, that last line is odd because mm -hmm. an apostate is somebody who's no longer a believer. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, so like it, even within the few sentences, there's, there's a confusing yeah. a set confusing. of words. Yeah. But like heretics, apostates, all being part of the communion of saints, no, they're not in communion with the church. Yeah. So could they be if somehow their decision to deny the faith wasn't made with full knowledge or with a deliberate consent of their will or something like that, and God understands that their heart is was you know, somehow compromised when they made those choices? Okay, but that's not how most people are going to understand that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I think that's why it becomes problematic. So on the face of it, this is not correct, what he's saying. Mm -hmm. You could do twists and turns and kind of understand it as being acceptable in a certain kind of way, but you'd have to make so many qualifiers. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think a lot of people were confused by that. It was a very, mm. you know, it was spread around a lot on social media and, and mm -hmm. in the Catholic blogosphere. And, and that became, uh, it's at the very least, very confusing to the faithful, because how mm -hmm. is it that people who are, who are heretics are part of the communion of saints. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, are they part of the church triumphant in heaven, heretics? Well, no, not, in, not mm -hmm. unless God knew that they were somehow not fully culpable for, for their heresy. Mm -hmm. right. um, are they part of the, the, the church suffering in purgatory? Um, only if they didn't commit a mortal sin by what they did, and only God mm -hmm. would understand that mm -hmm. their apostasy or their heresy or their blaspheming was a mortal sin or not. Because yeah. technically, blaspheming is a serious violation of the first commandment, um, as well as the third commandment. Yeah. And doing that would be a mortal sin yeah. if you did it knowingly and willingly. So, I mean, like, these well, are just confusing things. And 
and I think that that's why uh, it's good that we had this conversation. Yeah, well, well thanks mm. for clarifying what the communion of saints is. But I, mm. I have a, a question, and, and maybe the two of you can interject. So what is like the criteria for the canonization of saints? What does the church do, uh, without getting too involved, just so our viewers and our listeners can uh, get a sense of the process? Because it is a process, right? Yeah. You know, um, we, we always pray for blessed and, and uh, Mariam, and they're not fully canonized right. into the communion of saints yet. Right. So maybe we could kind of right. share. And now keep in mind that the communion of saints is not just the canonized saints. That's one right. of the points that's important to keep in mind. Yeah. Well, well right. if you're in heaven, you're a saint, right? Right. right. So that's what you're referring to. Right. right. But if you're, on, if you're in the church on earth and you're in a state of sanctifying grace, grace yeah. and one with the church in faith and sacraments, Mm-hmm. All the things that we listed, yeah. then you are you are even living, living as part the of the community. Saints. Saints. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. really good clarification because um that's kind of a deep explanation and not that many people know what that means, right. although we profess it every Sunday. Right. They immediately you know? think the ones right. who are in heaven. That's right. Yeah. But I mean to talk about the ones in heaven again, Mary. Yeah. Well, I think that's what is so problematic about uh Pope Francis's like uh, lack of distinction, I guess, about yeah. the communion of the saints. He's not a theologian. He's not a philosopher, and he right. he uses a lot of words. He just have various meanings depending on the settings in which they're used. And he's not very precise. Yeah. And these are the things that like are difficult as a theologian. As that a theologian, it's very hard. I get it. I well, get it. <laughs> and it's very confusing to people, you know, <laughs> right. generally. Well, right. anyway. well, if you think about mm-hmm. it, like yeah. Going back to my analogy, and maybe it's not a perfect one, but like to the athletes, right, that everyone puts posters of, and like if I were to put a poster, it'd be of the saints. It's because they're the all-stars of the people that exemplify virtue, right? The canonized saints are the ones that lived virtue out, and it it is imitable. And the community of saints, you know, a lot of us have grandparents that are just super holy and pious, and they're like, you're like, they're a living saint because they are living out virtue, right? Only God knows the state of their soul. Only God knows that they're living in a state of sanctifying grace. But you can tell, right, to some extent, when you're around a holy person, you can just tell. Um, And so what I dislike about uh, what we were just talking about with kind of like the watering down of this is like when you are looking at an athlete and you're like, wow, they're awesome for having these strengths, these these skills. They worked hard for those. Um, so mm. if we were to be put on an NBA team right now just because, you know, we are part of the human race, that's not – what's the point of working for it then? What's the point of them trying to make muscles to, like, hone their skills to get the baskets? I'm really not doing well with the sports analogies. But Everybody, you guys gets trophy, get Everybody gets a trophy, Mariama. Everybody gets a trophy. But that's the thing. There's a lot of hard work. And we all know this as Catholics trying to live out the life of faith um, is that it's hard in a, in a world that that throws things at you. And so virtue is a bunch of practice and detachment and skills that you're working on. And I, so I think that it does a disservice to the saints that are named and those who are living saintly lives now to say, well, anyone who is baptized is a saint. Right. Like it does a very real disservice <clears throat> to us who are well, trying. Well, tell me Some how people you feel, talk guys. About that. Tell me how you feel, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it takes off personal responsibility and it waters down my beloved saints who made choices, mm-hmm. very hard ones. The martyrs chose to give up their lives, many of them 
so as to not apostatize, right. so as to not commit heresy right. or blasphemy. St. Thomas More, um, there were all the, the Japanese martyrs. Mm-hmm. They refused to give up the truth of the, the truth of the church and, and risk the state of their soul. And instead, they were killed for it because heaven was more important than their earthly life. So I have two questions. Uh, so how do we pick the saints that we can imitate? And how do we call upon them for their intercessory prayers? Yeah, well, I love the saints, so I think you should just adopt every saint as your friend. Uh, so I'm not <laughs> necessarily the I'm not yeah. the best to ask because I would say use every saint to your um, advantage. But if you are a if you've received the sacrament of confirmation and you chose a saint for your confirmation, that saint chose you actually mm-hmm. as much. So I have a very funny story. I was 15 when I got confirmed and. I waited to the last minute. I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. I was in high school. All my teachers know if you're listening. Sorry. Um, And anyway, I got to CCD class and they were like, who is your saint? And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I never, I didn't give two thoughts to it. And so I didn't know much about the saints. I knew that they were dead. And I knew that they had to do, like, earthly dead, as we discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had to do good things while they were alive. And so I only knew two people in my lifetime. Uh, my grandfather's Polish, so I knew St. John Paul II. And I knew his best friend, Mother Teresa, right? And so I was like, I don't think I can choose St. John Paul II. You can't actually choose a male, right? If you're a female, you can choose whatever saint. But I didn't know that. So I chose Mother Teresa, who is very intense, by the way. But she chose me. Anyway, so I have a very funny story of how I got involved with the with my first saint, St. Teresa of Calcutta. But what I would say, if you're kind of lost about who you should choose as a saint, um, it's kind of look at your life in the, in the areas of your life. Do some self-reflection. Um, look at the areas of your life in which God has, um, or like you're, you're looking for um, guidance or direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I love St. Josephine Bakita's story of forgiveness. She's my favorite saint. I could talk about her all day, but I won't get on that tangent mm-hmm. um, because her story of forgiveness is very personal to me in many ways. And so I just love her. But I sought her out. Um, and you can search for saints because they have certain patronages. They have certain things that they are known for. If you uh, really are, you know, a wayward, like a prodigal son type, right? St. Augustine, right? Had a great mm-hmm. story of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, look at these saints who have lives similar to yours. And then look at saints who have the virtues that you just are like, I could never, I could never. Um, Because I'm sure, you know, whenever we say never to God, he's like, don't say never. He likes to, he likes to prove us wrong. But if you like, uh, or look for the virtue you're trying to aspire to the most. Mm. So if you are looking for the virtue of chastity, right? Um, Look to St. Augustine for someone who combated, who who went from a famous sinner, right? With sexual sin to someone who practiced chastity, but knowing how hard it was, knowing Mm. the vice, the opposite vice. But also look at the the virgins of the church, right? We have St. Agnes, St. Lucy, St. Agatha. Um, All these female martyrs, I'm sure there are a lot of others as well, who... Who risked, who risked, not only risked, they died mm-hmm. to preserve their virginity. Mm-hmm. So look at them. Because they refused to get married. Because they refused to get <laughs> married because they wanted to devote their lives only to Christ. So look at the saints who have the virtues naturally that you want and also the ones that can walk with you in the struggle that are like, hey, I get it. It, it just makes so much sense to me, maybe because I am obsessed with the saints, but they are human beings that understand the trials and tribulations of being a human being. They've lived in different time periods, but human struggle is evergreen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why wouldn't you ask people who have, who are like St. Paul says, right? St. Paul says, 
They have won the race. They are at the finish line. Yeah. Why wouldn't you ask the people at the finish line? They do it in races all the time. The people at the finish line come back and they run with you to the finish line. They they are cheering you on. That's all the saints are doing. Yeah. And they ultimately point you back to Jesus. That's, That's all they're right. doing. Is right you see on. you see their virtue. You see how much they pray. You see how much they uh, are devoted to the Eucharist. All of those things are telling you that you can do that too. Right. Yeah. With God's grace. With yes. God's grace. You That's can do awesome. that. It's a it's possible. Yeah. yeah. So Dave, this has been so much fun having Mariama yeah. with us, Fantastic. you know, sharing, you know, uh the subject and the importance of the litany of the saints and the communion of saints. It's been great having Mariama with us. Awesome. I love it. More people in on the conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, it's Mariama here with another round of Who's That Saint? where I give you three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal. Who's that saint? Clue one. This saint was born into Irish royalty in the 7th century to a Christian mother and a pagan father. Her mother secretly had her baptized into the Catholic faith. Who's that saint? Clue two. This saint consecrated herself to God, taking a vow of virginity at a young age. Who's that saint? Clue three. At the young age of 14, this saint lost her mother. This loss brought on an onset of mental instability in her father, who began to pursue his daughter as a wife. This saint was accompanied by a priest from her home and went into hiding. She was eventually found by her father and martyred for refusing to marry him. Who's that saint? Well, if you guessed Saint Dymphna, then you are correct. Did you know that Saint Dymphna is the patron saint of those who are struggling with their mental health? I remember learning of her in college as a psychology student, and this girl became a saint that I often asked for for intercession. In a time where many of us are suffering from depression and anxiety, grief and confusion, Saint Dymphna can be a great saint for us to ask for prayers from. Though her story is sad, filled with loss, grief, and trauma, Saint Dymphna's story is ultimately one of victory, for she has won the crown of martyrdom and now enjoys eternal life with the rest of the saints, as well as God, in heaven. While we, too, have our own sufferings and experiences, may we always remember this. Our life does not end here, and our joy is found in the Lord our God. St. Dymphna, pray for us. Hey everyone, this is Jack Garno, Array of Hope's Director of Music and Audio Production, coming back at you with another segment of The Music Corner. So we have more really exciting news this week. Our Array of Hope band just returned from a three-day trip to Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I've personally been to Nashville on a number of occasions, but never before had I had an experience quite like this. And I think I speak for the group as a whole. In addition to a fun and productive photo shoot and some great community building, the highlight of the trip was recording at Ocean Way, Nashville. It's a world-famous studio converted from an old church where countless music acts have recorded. We hired a video team to capture the experience and we're thrilled to tell you that the material we recorded is now in post-production, getting ready for release. Be sure to sign up for the Array of Hope channel so you can stay tuned in for when the music and videos are released. The first song we recorded at the studio is a brand new song called Homeland. And it conveys our conviction as Christians that the kingdom of heaven is our homeland. 
We're all called to live out lives of holiness, and our eternal reward is communion with God, our Creator, in the place that He has prepared for us. So here's a quick preview of the chorus to Homeland. everybody we got some exciting news we have a whole new array of hope app and channel a video destination where everyone can find meaningful and inspiring videos and resources to help bring them closer to god this is available on your desktop roku apple tv iphones and android mobile phones and tablets this channel has movies short faith-filled segments live events and programs you've got to check it out Sign up by going to watch.arrayofhope.net and then download the app at the App Store by just typing in Array of Hope. Our guest today is Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle. She is known to millions as a friendly face and a soothing voice of Catholic motherhood. Donna Marie is a frequent guest on EWTN television and discusses Catholic family and parenting issues on an Ave Maria radio segment called Mom's Corner at the Catholic Connection. Her frequent appearances on radio and television, her many books, and her speaking engagements make her a wonderful Catholic spokeswoman. Please welcome Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle. So, hi, Donna. How are you? Hi, Mariel. It's great to see you again. It's, Haven't seen you forever. I know, well, forever. COVID has prevented us from seeing one another in person, but mm-hmm. we, we have spoken and text, and it's yeah. nice to keep in touch with you. And thank you so much for uh, offering your time and, and spending some time with us here uh, with the our, our followers here at Array of Hope are very excited to to hear what you have to say and uh, engage with us. So thank you for all that. Um, thank you. I'm so you know, happy to be here. And it's always a joy to spend time with you and, and sharing with you. And you're so authentic. And I know our listeners and our viewers are going to find that out real soon. So thank you. Yeah. So um, so before we start, I you know uh, I like I like to give our our viewers and our listeners some context. So mm-hmm. you know uh, what was it like with for you growing up? Were you uh, a cradle Catholic? Uh, were you brought up in a very devout family? Or tell me a little bit about your journey and, and what were you like as a as a young person? Sure. Okay. So I grew up in a large family. I was the seventh of eight children. And um, we were Catholic. I was raised Catholic. Um, My mother did all the raising. (laughs) She did all the, you know, imparting of the faith. And uh, my father, not so much. Uh, He would go to mass on Christmas and Easter. And but later in his life, during debilitating illness, then he really came really close to God. And Mm. thanks be to God. So we had a, you know, a busy life with eight kids in the household, as you can imagine. And um I, I don't know. God just gave me this desire to come close to him, to pray, to, you know, I, I believed in God so much. I believed if I prayed to him, he was going to answer my prayers because m- many of those prayers were in urgent needs, you know, um, growing up and maybe being in the back seat of a car or maybe my father was driving a little erratically. Maybe he had too much to drink, you mm. know, so these kinds of things in a little child's life, you learn to pray. Yeah. 
And so, you know, it was, I still loved my childhood. You know, I, I loved having a big family. I loved all of that. So, you know, and then became a teenager and uh, wanted to go to Bible studies and retreats and prayer groups and things like that. So wanted to nourish my faith, wanted to get close to Jesus. And um, then my life took twists and turns and crazy stuff, which is in my memoir, The Kiss of Jesus. We might talk about that. But so, you know, trying to just mind my own business, but, you know, follow God. Um, but he led me on this crooked path through life. Um, he helped me to navigate it, which at the time looked a little scary sometimes. And uh, but then I found myself so drawn to his feet, you know, in at adoration, you know, um, to pray deeply and to meditate upon his passion. So we might talk about that later too. We will. How Faustina, <laughs> yeah, Faustina, and how it's all woven together. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, that's beautiful. So you were really uh, from a. As, as far back as you can remember, you always had a, a, a sense of who God. At least you were attracted to to God as a mm -hmm. as a being, as an entity, and then the person of Christ. It sounds like, which is really quite beautiful. You really were drawn to it. Um, was there ever a moment that you can recall when you were young that there was a, you know, for the lack of a better word, an epiphany, a, a, a moment yeah. where you felt Him? You want to share mm -hmm. that with our viewers and our listeners? Oh, well, it's really hard to pinpoint times because there were many times, you know, um, a lot of times just sitting outside as a little girl sitting on the grass and praying and just giving my heart to God and just, you know, knowing he was with me um, through different struggles and, and uh, joys. Uh, and there was one time as a teenager when a deranged man forced a loaded revolver in my hand, tried to get me to kill him, to oh kill, to shoot him in the head. He put his head on my lap. Oh boy. And, um, as a, you know, 17, 18 year old, I said, Jesus, 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 please help me. And the tears were just flooding out of my eyes. I was just totally dependent upon Jesus to save me and to save him too. I didn't want to kill anyone, even though this was a man who was holding me captive. It's a long wow. story. Wow. But that was a moment. That was <clears throat> a moment when I didn't want to revisit that moment later on in life. You know, I was in survival mode a lot of my life, but God was always with me in all those dark corners. But that was a moment when, oh, he certainly saved me. And he certainly um, was always with me and showed me that later on in life. So, as I look back and as I wrote my story, which I was so hesitant to do, but it ended up, you know, happening. God wanted me to do it. So, but I'm going in different places here, but the, that's okay. that was that's one okay. of those profound, uh, yeah. profound moment when I, I knew Jesus, I, my heart knew that I was actually speaking straight to him and saying, please, that's beautiful. <laughs> please help me. And he did. He, he certainly saved me. He essentially, he was your savior throughout your life. I mean, he really yeah. uh, became very real and beautiful for you. Um, I mean, he is real, mm -hmm. but he became very relevant yeah. for you, which is really, it's yeah. really a grace is what I'm hearing, Don. It seems like your life, yeah. although it, you've had some difficulty growing up, it has been filled yeah. with grace. And often, you know, yeah. our experiences that happen through us, I mean, through, you know, the Lord's permissive will often shows us and teaches us uh, to draw closer to him. It, it might be the very thing yeah. that we need to bring us closer to him because right. we need right. him so much. So, um right. Uh, I love that. Uh, so let me ask you, Donna. Um, so mm -hmm. as you uh, became more, um, you know, an adult and and uh, mm -hmm. started to uh, 
I'm sure you got married and, and went to school. When was the turning point? I mean, the, you said you wrote your book, uh, but then at some mm-hmm. point you must have said, you know what, Lord, you know, I'm going to just, you know, what was the moment that you became a writer mm-hmm. and, and expressed yeah. the faith so eloquently, you know, in your writings and realized that this was your vocation? What, you know, what was wow. that turning point like? Well, that's a great question because um, it's really interesting how God leads us on this really interesting path through life. It's our pilgrimage, right? In essence, yes. we're making this pilgrimage. We're yes. trying to get to heaven. Sometimes we don't know we're on our way there, right. but uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing journey. We really have to seize it and use it for all it's worth. You know, don't waste time. That's what I'm trying to say because it goes by fast too. Here we are, you know, later in life. Um, and looking back and also looking ahead and, and, and also wanting to live right in that present moment to be able to serve our Lord. But um, amazing thing happened when God put me still, Mariel, speaking of, you know, struggles and sufferings and mm. God allows these things. So here I was in a pregnancy. It was, um, I had lost three babies before that to miscarriage and the doctor said I was losing this baby. So I was praying and praying and Mother Teresa, that's another whole story. I knew her for 10 years. She was praying for me. And so, and she gave me this miraculous middle during that pregnancy. And she said, you know, ask, ask the blessed mother to pray for you. Simply say, Mary, mother of Jesus, be mother to me now. See, we need Mary now. There's so much we could say, Mario. We're going to have to do more of these because there's so much. So much to to say, yeah. to To tell people. But during that precarious pregnancy with a heart condition, and a hemorrhage uterus. I was on complete bed rest. And the doctor said the baby wasn't going to make it, but, and, and almost, and said, I almost wish you could hurry up and have that miscarriage. Maybe he was trying to prevent me from further suffering. But in any case, thanks be to God, you know, that baby is 30 years old today. <clears throat> but during that pregnancy is when amazing things happened. God put me still. There was a lot of struggle. I could have just said, oh, you know, this is too much or, you know, just nothing else, but he put upon my heart this vision of a pregnancy as a nine-month novena. So I wrote on scraps of paper. I didn't have a computer or a typewriter or anything. And I just wrote my thoughts. I wanted to write a book for expectant mothers. And Mother Teresa would end up writing the foreword to this book. Wow. So that book was conceived and born in that pregnancy. And then I started writing more inspiration for mothers. I thought, wow. They're in the trenches, they're tired, they feel defeated. They, you know, the old foe, the devil, tries to, you know, make us give up on prayer. And so I I felt this urgent need, like God put it upon me so strongly. It was a desire. It was a desire to help people, to help mothers, to help, you know, everyone. And so that's why I had written articles before that, pro-life pieces, you know, but I was a busy mother raising my kids. I was also left at the side of the road by a husband. That's so many things. I was a single mother for a long time, struggling in survival mode. So I didn't have time to be writing a lot. But when God sits you still and he says, you're going to lay there for nine months and, and let me talk to your heart, you know, so um, that, that was a real turning point. I didn't realize it so fully at the time because I didn't know I was going to be an author. I didn't know I was going to have more than 35 books that would keep coming out. I didn't know God was. I, I didn't know God wanted me to you know to speak and to be a TV host and all that. I was like, no, no, I just want to write my books and just help people and be behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. So a lot ha- a lot happened during That's... the pre- this 
beautiful pregnancy. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Remember what I called you a couple of months ago when we were speaking? I said you are a write, you are a writing machine. I mean, you <laughs> you just like one book after the next, and you've been so kind mm-hmm. to sending it to me. It's like oh oh, another book from Donna. I don't know how she does it. It's like it's it's beautiful. So we're gonna, we're going to talk about your books in just a moment. But you mentioned motherhood, and I know that you're a grandmother also. So um, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. What has that vocation been like mm-hmm. for you? How has it changed your life? And wow. and how has God shown you His beauty through your children and your grandchildren? That's a beautiful question. Well, you know, when I became a mother, I just knew this was such a beautiful vocation. I'm just I relished in all of the moments. Even you might think I'm crazy, but even late night, you know, getting up and taking care of the babies and nursing them and rocking them. That was that quiet time with our Lord and with that little one and praying rosaries in, in the night. And so it, it was just such a blessing to me, even though a lot of my mothering, um, good chunk of time, I was a single mother. So, but God, you know, kept me going and I kept praying and I raised my children in the faith. So I, my, one of my messages to women out there, even single mothers is don't give up and raise your kids in the faith because you can do it. He'll supply the grace, you know, keep trying and reach out to others for some support and help because we all need help sometimes. Right. But the vocation of motherhood, I just feel is there's so many blessings, um, you know, involved in that. But unfortunately, a lot of young mothers today, um, you know, they might feel they have to compete with all of the social media and all the images they see portrayed that makes them feel maybe a little inadequate or maybe they have to be more like this to, you know, to be successful or whatever it is. There's so many mixed messages. So a lot of my speaking and uh, retreats and things I give are to women, you know, speaking to the women's hearts and giving them John Paul II's, uh, you know, all his wonderful words to women and, you know, church teaching. I try to put it at their fingertips, you know. So living through being a mother still, you know, you're always a mother no matter how old they get. And you're they're still in need of your definite prayers, your deep prayers for them, but also your your example, even if they should stray away, that solid example of, you know, going to mass, you know, praying your rosary, all of these things that mothers do, those prayers, I'd like mothers to know, and grandmothers, they're very powerful in, in your family's life. So, so it's been a blessing, you know, to be a mother and now a grandmother of two. There's nothing like being a grandmother. Mm, it's just awesome. such, it's, it's like people, you don't know until you become That's a grandfather right. or a grandmother mm. that, whoa, this, <clears throat> this is just incredible. So yeah. there again, you are that example for that yeah. little saint that you are mm. to help raise to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's so much we could say about those vocations. But in a nutshell, you know, I think there's great beauty in it. And I think also... We need to be attentive because the old foe, as I call you-know-who, so I don't give him too much credit because he loves to get a big head about destroying the family and trying to rip apart marriages and trying to prevent children from coming into the world. You know, we need to be attentive and prayerful and, um, you know, protect ourselves from the enemy with prayer, with the sacraments, with sacramentals. So as we you know, tread through those sometimes monotonous <clears throat> days to realize, you know, a lot of grace is woven throughout this beautiful day in raising the children. And we are the first and foremost educators of the faith. So we can't rely on someone else out there to import, impart that faith to them. We need to step up to the plate and be that person that God is calling us to be, you know, and you'll never look back later on mothers and grandmothers saying, oh, you know, I should have done something else more instead of being there for my child. No, we need to be present to our Mm -hmm. child as much as possible. 
and and the rewards will be great in heaven when we finally get there. But Amen. let's try to get everybody to heaven, right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you, you said a lot of really amazing things there, and I want to make a connection for our viewers and listeners, mm -hmm. um, particularly to uh, women. Uh, that are raising children uh, alone mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Um, mm -hmm. You said, you know, trust in right. God and God will provide the grace for you. I think women that are in crisis or having difficulty for whatever reason, uh, uh, mm -hmm. it's easier said than done. When you say, oh, well, trust in God, right. pray to God. And it's like, oh, right. you know, who is this God? I don't know who this God is. Uh, something that was really instrumental in, in my transformation to the Catholic faith and realizing that God was real were, were the sacraments. Mm -hmm. So, and I know you've yeah. written about the sacraments because the sacraments provide yeah. grace. When we, we have nowhere to go and we just don't know where to muster the strength, we, we, we yeah. seek that supernatural power that is in the sacraments. Yeah. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit. You know, how the sacraments are, are connected to grace and that's one way that we can receive yeah. that grace. And also not to be afraid to reach out for help if you're feeling so defeated and so, you know, you just have no strength. You're almost headed to despair. You've got to reach out to someone. You've got to get that help. You know, and God will give the grace and pray for the courage, you know, to do that. But the sacraments, even though we're in a pandemic, you know, we've had our challenges trying to get to Holy Communion sometime, you know, for like almost a year in some places. But, you know, make those spiritual communions if you can't get to church, but really try your best to receive. You know, Mother Teresa used to say she and the sisters needed to receive the broken bread of Jesus every morning in the Eucharist at Mass so that they can go out and serve the broken bodies of the poor. So if we're not nourished by the bread of life, if we're not receiving Jesus, um, you know, how will we have that strength and courage, especially in our world today with all the, you know, lopsided culture and all that comes at women, especially mm -hmm. the bombardment, you know, um, you know, trying to be uh, the demands for perfectionism, everything that we, we are hit with all the time. Um, we go through a lot. Women actually go through a lot, but yet we're gifted with the human being, you know, St. John Paul II said we're entrusted with the human being. It's a, quite a gift as a spiritual mother or, you know, a physical or adoptive mother, but we're all spiritual mothers. We need mm. to receive the sacraments for the strength, but also to frequent confession. You know, Father Andrew Apostoli, who we both knew very well, mm. um, he always said, you know, at least try to go once a month so that way we can uh, fulfill the first Saturday requirements that Our Lady of Fatima asked for, but also to receive that, that you know, that clean slate. We need confession. We need to learn to forgive and to accept forgiveness, too, because if we don't, we're going to be wrapped in chains. And we won't be able to move forward in yeah. faith. You know, Donna, our, our theme for this podcast actually is communion with the saints. And I know that you've written quite so many books on the saints and uh, Sister mm -hmm. Faustina. So maybe you can share with us, first of all, why the saints are so important in our Catholic faith uh, and, and why they're important to you. And, and you've written so much about mm -hmm. them. Well, thank you for asking. Well, because we're all part of the communion of saints, right? So we're so blessed that we are part of the communion of saints. We can seek intercession from the saints, you know, the people who've gone before us, marked with the sign of faith. They pray for us. We could pray for the souls in purgatory, another part of the communion of saints, and they pray for us too, but they're not, they can't pray for themselves. So we need to pray for them. Plus, our blessed mother said to pray for poor sinners because they go to hell for, because they have no one to pray for them. So it's a big part being a part of the communion of saints. We need to be part of the family. We need to pray for one another. And look to those wonderful examples of the saints. You know, they weren't perfect. They weren't born with shining halos, shovering, you know, 
hovering over their heads. <laughs> they had to earn the, those halos. Yeah, I think sometimes God put actually puts certain saints into our lives. You know, He wants us to reach up to them and ask for their intercession. And in my case, I feel like He puts specific saints, like for instance, Mother Teresa, who I actually um, became fr <laughs> friends with. I became close to for ten years. I knew her for ten years, so. Her spiritual director, Father John Harden, he's now servant of God. He was my spiritual director and my friend and my daughter's godfather. So, and wow. Father Andrew Apostoli, I really believe, is a living saint. I always did. And so he was in my life very prominently as my friend and spiritual director and, and many others. And then, you know, so they were part of my life. I know they helped to shape who I, you know, becoming. Um, and then also certain publishers, like for instance, Marion Press wanted me to write about St. Faustina and Divine Mercy, and they are the keepers of the diary, you know, so I, I felt honored to be asked, and I came to know her so well through the research and the writing and keeping her relic on my rosary uh, and, and a relic in my pocket throughout the writing and all of the time, so she is actually like a sister to me. I feel like she's a sister in Christ. I speak about her a lot. I give retreats. I talk about her to other women, how we can learn a lot from St. Faustina, who was trained by Jesus and Mary, you know. So she came into yeah. my life. The shepherd children, you know, Francisco, Jacinta, Sister Lucia. I researched and learned of them and had their relics and wrote three books on them and just came so close to them. I, You know, my husband and I say this litany of the saints at the front door before he leaves for work, it's kind of a thing we started doing. We pray all different times, but before he goes to work, we bless ourselves with holy water and we say some special prayers in the morning offering and some other prayers. But then I go into this litany of the saints and we always include, you know, even the ones that are not yet canonized, like Father Andrew and Father Hardin, Father Seraphin, you mm -hmm. know, from the Americans and, and uh, Blessed Michael Sapochko, who was St. Faustina's um, spiritual director, and of course, all my favorites, you know, Mother Teresa, St. Faustina, but also St. Therese and St. Catherine Labore, whom I also got to know through research and writing about her and going to Rudebach in Paris, where Mary appeared to her to give her the Blessed Miraculous Medal uh, to make a model of it to, you know, spread that devotion around the world. So, the saints are amazing. You know, you could just pick one if you want and get to know them um, and just pray to them and ask for their intercession. They were just regular people who wanted to come close to Jesus, who wanted to get to heaven, but also to take lots of people with them. They fell. They made mistakes. They picked themselves up. They went to confession. You know, so we are all called to be saints. As Mother Teresa said, it's not a luxury of a few, but a simple duty for us all. So I highly encourage everyone to to, you know, keep close to the saints, especially St. Joseph. He's a real oh, yeah. hero to me and to my husband. He is a hero to us. I named one of my sons, Joseph. And, Art. and you know, so get close to the saints and they'll really help us so Saint much. St. Joseph. That, yes. Terror of mm -hmm. demons, St. Joseph. So Donna, uh, you know, before uh, we leave one another, um, is there anything that you're working on? Anything we want to, you want to share a, mm -hmm. a book an event that you're involved in that you can kind of uh, let us know about? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, well, people check out my website because I, um, I I haven't been able to update my blog posts lately, but I do send out newsletters if they want to sign up and I can tell them things that are going on. I just did 
some retreats for women. I just did one in Florida and I did some in Agawa, Massachusetts and a TV show called Real to Real covered that and we could see that on the website. But, um, I have some books coming out. Um, and uh, I have a children's book coming out. I'm real happy about, um, uh, it'll be out sometime this year. I have another book for grandmothers coming out I'm working on projects. I'm working on also trying to find the time to maybe do something on a regular basis. Uh, in addition to what I'm doing now, <laughs> you know, to put something out there for people, you know, put some more content out there. I, um, I told you, <laughs> I told you you're a writing machine. I don't, know, I don't know anybody that you know so prolific. It's just amazing. It's just great. Just, I, I just want to, I just want to help get people to have a Amen. God put that in their heart and just do whatever I can do. And it's all by the grace of God. It's nothing yeah. to do with me. Really. That's awesome. Well, Donna, thank you so much. You know, for thank spending you. some time with me here at Array of Hope. Uh, you're a delight, as I shared with our, you know, with you earlier and our viewers and listeners. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that we got to know you a little bit better. Uh, and God bless you and your work and your family and everybody else there. Mario, thank you so much for all those kind words, and I really admire what you're doing. And it's really amazing. Um, <laughs> And your app, I signed up. I have your app now. All right. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, man. Well, you'll be yeah. on it. You'll be on it now. We'll put you on it. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to promote it uh, left and right. Thank you. I, I always love what you're doing with Great. Ray of Hope. And it's just beautiful. So let's pray for us on this journey because we need, uh, we need to be constantly in prayer and protection from the saints, especially St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. You know, Amen. So we continue to put one foot in front of the other uh, walk in faith great all right god bless you donna god bless you mario good to see you good to see you too well we've come to the end of this podcast and i'm so glad that you joined us today i want to remind you to please share this podcast with others let everyone know the more that people know about it the more that christ can save souls i want to thank our donors and our supporters if you've been blessed by our work and this podcast, please give back by going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.net. Also, stay in touch with us throughout the week on social media where we keep you engaged through music, videos, and daily reflections. There's so much great stuff there to share with you all. Also, I want to let you know that we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet daily on Instagram at 3 p.m. So please join us where we can all pray together as the Universal Church. And lastly, go to our channel where you can see when our next Rise Up Live show will be. That's our Catholic variety show of sorts. And check out when it's going to be on air next. Our guest next time will be Father Dwight Longenecker. He is amazing. And you got to check out this episode. So thanks for joining us today. And there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.